All right, we are live. Welcome everyone to another edition of our weekly Wednesday Lunch and Learn. Every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, I have the opportunity to get to interview some of the top agents all across the country. And we get to learn about their story of how they got into real estate. We learn about what is actually happening with the local market in their region. And today we have Amy out of the Chicago market. It's our first guest from Chicago. So we're uh, certainly very excited to learn about Chicago. Um, I know a lot of people that tune into this channel may have traveled to Chicago at one point or another, and it's going to be a great opportunity to learn what's actually happening at the ground level. So Amy, welcome to the show. Please Thank tell you. A little bit about yourself. Like, uh, what did you do actually? Let's take it a step back. What did you do prior to real estate? And then how long have you been in the business for now? Okay. So um, I studied actuarial science. So that's the science of like probability of probability of death and accidents so you work with a lot of insurance companies um so i worked as a consultant for three years i found out that i didn't like it nor was i very good so um i was like interviewing and my brother who was a realtor and still is a realtor now had said why don't you get your real estate license you may like it so i got my real estate license as i was interviewing um and i uh i I was walking, I got, I passed, I was walking back to my brother's office to, you know, you hang your license. So I was, I was about to give my brother my license. Somebody walk, happened to walk in and say they wanted to sell their house. So my brother said, you should do it. So I ended up selling the house like back 17 years ago, you know, you just use your, your DL, your own camera and you take photos. Um, and then I sold it in a week and I said, this is like the easiest job in the world. And um, I'm just going to do this. Obviously we found out that it's not the easiest job in the world, um, but I've been doing it ever since. So 16, almost 17 years now. Interesting. And it has it always been in the Chicago um, area. Have you switched like different parts of Chicago throughout the 16 years or expanded shrank at all? Yeah, so we are um, the. It's like the Chicago and the Chicago land area. So there are suburbs surrounding Chicago, a little bit different than other metropolitan cities. Where like in Manhattan, you kind of have to go to Jersey or Long Island or other areas to get that suburb feel. In Chicago, you you can just go um, as short as fifteen minutes outside of the Chicago limits, and you're in the suburbs. So I do, we do the Chicagoland area, but we don't do like other states or anything like that. Got it. And so tell us a little bit about the current market in Chicago. Like what are kind of the average price points and how does that relative to your average price points of who you typically deal with? Sure. Um, I think that the average price point in Chicago is probably anywhere from three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars. The entry level to in Chicago is very, very low. So we do have a fantastic first time home buyer uh, program, and it, it's great that the affordability is so awesome here, uh, especially for a metropolitan city. Um, my average price point is probably around seven hundred thousand, but we do service anywhere from two hundred thousand to you know, I mean, our highest. Price point was, I think, three point five million dollars. Okay, interesting. And so, walk us through. Like, you you've been in the business for sixteen years. Uh, I think you may have. I mean, that may be the, one of the fastest um, starts you can possibly have. Yes. Right? In terms of, you know, getting one to market and getting one to closing, which is very very rare. Uh -huh. um, but how did that first year go? Was it easier or harder than you thought it would be? I mean, you had the 
you have the, you know, a really good head start, but then later on. Oh yeah, year, of course I did horribly uh -huh. <laughs> my first year. <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, you know, it like, you know, went downhill from there. So, you know, obviously months where I didn't, you know, where I didn't have a deal. And honestly, there was no goal to be any type of top producer. Um, that really didn't come until like five years in my career where uh, I always, and I stay with this motto, I try to treat every deal like it's my own. And, you know, it kind of, it was like a snowball effect, you know, clients, I, I, I am part of a sorority, uh, Alpha Kappa Delta Phi. So any Kitty Phi's out there, hello, you'd be surprised, they're all over. Um, yeah, <laughs> so they were my first clients and, um, you know, kind of grew from there and then they told their friends and then, you know, and ended up being the first realtor on Yelp when Yelp first came out. So, and an article was written about me about that. And then I got a ton of reviews and, and then it just kind of snowballed. And then all of a sudden, you know, we sold $600 million of real estate now. So it, you know, it was a very grassroots effort. So, and nowhere did I think it would be like this, but we love it. So that's amazing. And so, out of this, it was that the six six hundred million oh, for uh, for my career. For so career. we average yeah. around, um, like I would say, thirty to forty million dollars a year. Wow, in real estate. Is that and what is your team makeup? Is it? Is, I know it's you. It sounds like your brother as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's my brother, my husband, my best ah. friend. <laughs> so um, a, a, a woman who is amazing and she's fantastic. I met in a mommy group. Um, so it's a very organic um, Eva who's fantastic. We found uh, we found through a service. But at the same time, she has become a really a huge asset to our career, uh, to our team. And she has done fantastic, too. So it was very you know, I don't, I don't think our goal, I know there's people who think that, you know, you have a big team and it's great to have a big team, but I think we all, at least my husband and I, um, and all of us on our team feel that we just want to do a great job and it's great to do it together versus separately. And hopefully the goal is that we all become more su successful, um, kind of working together. So that's how we grew our team. It wasn't meant to, you know, have the people that we do. It just happened that way over time and over the years. That's pretty cool. It's, it's also like a family business. Yeah. <laughs> well, I own my own with my brother for seven years. I started getting into luxury and I realized like, you know, I, I do think a brokerage is so helpful in many ways, but recognition is one of them. So I was over at a boutique broker. I, we closed our brokerage down, um, went to a boutique brokerage where it was there for five years, got my average price from that 400,000 to a million. By the time I left, it was a million dollars. Um, and then, uh, now we're over at compass. It has gone down mainly because we're closing. I think this year we're closing about 80 homes. Whereas, so we're just trying to do more volume and, you know, get that price point up. Interesting. Interesting. So walk us through what's been going on in the local market. I mean, I'm, if you can share kind of the history of the Chicago real estate market, right? Of mm -hmm. maybe years. And so far this year, 
which areas have done very well and, and are there any areas that have not done well? Okay. Um, so the great thing about Chicago is, and a, a huge um, draw to Chicago is that there's really fantastic jobs. So lots of corporations are here, but in addition to the schools are amazing. So we have University of Chicago, we have Northwestern, um, we have a ton of medical schools, a ton of medical schools. Mm -hmm. So that has been a huge play, at least for our business, um, where people come here for med school, they decide to buy an, a condo, they end up getting a job here, um, and then law school too, but end up getting a job here, stay here, and then continue to grow uh, within Chicago. So I mean, I'm actually helping someone, I think, in from San Jose right now, um, and they were here for work, too. So anyways, it's been um, a, the downtown market where you have any high rises, very similar to New York. Um, unfortunately, you know, that has been taking a hit due to the pandemic. You know, people don't want to be in a high rise where they have shared airspace or touching elevators or whatnot. But any other areas that are not not in a high rise has been crazy. So we've seen just like every other market, we've seen a surge of first time home buyers and honestly, people who have been homeowners and want to get a larger space. So I personally have three kids. I'm sitting in the landing of my of my house right now because I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> So people who do have to work from home, which is everyone, um, you know, they're looking for more space as well. And any area that has a very good school, you know, even though a lot of us are in remote, you know, we do want to have a great school system uh, for our kids. But any area that has a really fantastic school um, is, is doing really fantastic, like doing great right now. Interesting. Got it. Okay. And um Walk us kind of through the geography of Chicago. Like I know that downtown is kind of central to things. Mm -hmm. um, where are most of these companies headquartered relative to downtown? Sure. Uh, downtown or are they like west, north, mm -hmm. south? Um, they're out in the suburbs too, but they are a lot are downtown. And the great thing about Chicago is we do have public, public transportation. Um, our, you know what's so if you want to describe Chicago it is like it is like uh spread out without traffic well not as much traffic as as LA but it is like a city of neighborhoods so if you imagine New York where you have upper west side upper east side uh you have midtown and all those things the same thing is in Chicago but a much smaller version so mm -hmm. you have Lincoln Park Lakeview um, Lakeview is where the the Cubs play uh, you have all these other neighborhood uh, areas Pilsen which is very artsy Wicker Park which is also very artsy um, so you have all these er like neighborhoods where you it's very easy access to get downtown so you could live downtown and it's super convenient but if you want a little bit more space or you want that neighborhood feel, you can go outskirts of, of the, the downtown area. And then on top of that, if you do want a suburb where it's a little bit more affordable to get a single family house, you can go out to the suburban area. I actually live in the suburb. I work, we do city and suburbs. I work, I actually live in this town called Hinsdale um, where uh, the high school is nationally ranked. It's a really fantastic school system. Um, and, you know, it's, 
really affordable. You can buy a single family house anywhere between 600. I mean, you could buy a house up for like $7 million in Hinsdale, but it can be as low as 600,000. So um, you have a wide variety. Interesting. And so given the last basically eight months of the shelter, are there, is there a particular like Northern, Western, Southern parts of uh, Chicago that have done better than others? No, um, I mean, North Shore is great, too, because you have easy access to the lake. But everybody, you know, there's corporations and companies everywhere. And ultimately, too, I, I don't know, maybe this is a Midwest thing, but uh, people tend to move like within a 20 mile radius of where they grew up. So family, where your family's located plays a part. So, uh, you know, all over Chicago, it's it's really uh, it's been really busy and. Uh, yes, I think that a lot of people are shifting their mindsets of where they want to be. Um, so you see a re lot of relocation all over the nation. But, you know, because it's super affordable in Chicago, um, you know, there are people who are moving here, too. So got it. Cool. And then now I've always heard some stigmas of how dangerous Chicago is, per se. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, how true is that? Um, or is it? kind of fake media per se and no. is it concentrated like in specific areas just for people that are tourists to maybe avoid per se um i mean yeah so with the pandemic i'm sure everyone has read about and heard about the looting uh there were two incidents of looting this within the last 12 months or within the i don't know last nine months I, you know, I think it's just we are we're very close to Mich uh, to Minnesota um, where um, like it, where well, the reason why it all sparked. Right. And uh, I think also it's, you know, we're just doing going crazy like it's pandemic situation it has it, it's just hard on everybody. So the looting did play a part in the market, especially in the downtown market. Um, mm -hmm. But before the pandemic, yeah, there is crime, but um, I just think you have to be street smarts anywhere in any city in metropolitan city that you're at. Um, I would say used to be very specific to certain areas, but I mean, I always tell my clients that, and myself included, that you know. I wouldn't be walking around at two in the morning by myself. So, but I wouldn't be doing that in any city either. Right. And so walk us through what it's like right now. Um, I mean, we're, it, it, you certainly have much more seasonality than we have here in the Bay area, right? Yeah. So it's, I'm sure it's getting very cold out there. Uh -huh. um, but how does that typically affect the local market? Like, is there a lot less listings? Do people still browse? Like mm -hmm. what's, what's that like now? And, um, Let's say you had a buyer that was in the neighborhood that you're looking at. What kind of price, uh, like what's the competition like these days of what you would share to them to expect? Um, so, yeah, it is a little seasonal uh, in terms of that the winter and the, um, yeah, the winter market is slower. So I think that sellers understand that and they tend to not put their properties on the market unless they're a little bit more desperate, I would say. Um, it's a great opportunity for buyers to, you know, maybe get a little bit of a discount uh, compared to the spring and summer market. But then they have less activity, or they have a lot a less less inventory to compare it to. So there's pros and cons to both, right? Um, 
you know, I've always been busy all year round. And I would say that it's very similarly to my top producer, my colleagues as well, is that we're busy all year round. We're just a little less busy, like in the wintertime. Unfortunately, I've had to show in blizzard season, I have like a whole closet of winter clothes and (laughs) uh, long johns and like North Face jackets and uh, snow boots. So, uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, um, it's only like a few days a year where it's like super bad, but otherwise, you know, you know, I guess maybe in Texas, it's so hot. Sometimes you can't even go outside for us. It's, you know, it's so cold. Sometimes we can't go outside. So, it, you know, it's the same thing. I feel like it's the same. Got it. And, and what would those offer scenarios be like if it's that bad? Will they just kind of extend a deadline out? It, what's the common practice right now for you guys? Like, is it one weekend of showings basically, and then there's offers due, or is it reviewed as they come? What's kind of the standard process? Oh, review as they come. I mean, the right. average market time is, I think, like 50 days. So, really? yeah. So, unless it's priced super aggressively, but yeah, the average market time is around 50 days. It's not a short, um it, we're again going back to just the midwest where even when it's a seller's market it's um it, you know it's not super duper fast like you're going to get 20 offers in a weekend sometimes it does happen um but not i wouldn't say it's for every property no interesting and so what motivates like how do you position or help your clients to say look this is a good property. You should make an offer now, although the average is almost two months for it to be gone, right? So they can mm-hmm. think hey, look, there's something better around the corner. H- how do you kind of motivate that given it's so uh, it's so long relative? Hmm. I, I guess I never really thought of it that way because uh, to me, uh, it's normal. <laughs> so, but, you know, I think that if you... Uh, the longer you look, you can always find some more properties. It's just finding the right fit. And the thing about Chicago, we're a pretty old city and the suburbs are older too. So all the homes, I mean, it's not cookie cutter. Not They're not, especially single on the single family home range. I mean, every house can be completely different in a suburb. So in certain suburbs. So, you know, it's right finding the right floor. You may not get that floor plan again. So we're finding if that floor plan is the right fit, um, you know, if it is a great deal to act fast on it. And of course doing evaluation or doing a comparative market analysis will show that to the buyer. Um, And Again, I think, you know, I I don't think people want to continue to look for the rest of their lives. Like, you know, on average, people want to look at 20 to 40 places and they, you know, they feel like they are, they are confident that that property is the right one after seeing all of those. Interesting. Yeah. And when it comes to negotiation, I mean, you know, compared to here, it's certainly a very long time. I Mm -hmm. mean, three weeks is considered stale. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so, so in your case, if it's if that's the average, um, or you know, and they and they and they list it for whatever price they list it at, and let's say other houses have sold for around that in, in the last couple of months, how much lower is it is it customary to when it comes to like bidding, where it's on one end you want to help your clients, on another end you don't want to offend the other side, right? Or is it just slower, but then at the end of the day it's going to be selling for still pretty close to what they listed it at 
Um, it, again, it goes back to just the market analysis. So not always will it be close to what it's listed at, but usually it will be what's a fair market value. So like something I have um, that just went under contract, it was on the market for three months, actually. Um, the last thing sold for the last unit in the same tier sold for 405. Mm -hmm. We were able to get 415. So it's not like oh, wow. you're getting, you know, I mean, he's paying market value. He's not getting a deep discount. Uh, I, I think people understand that we're going through like a, I mean, I don't know if anyone's following Chicago numbers, but we're unfortunately the COVID numbers are kind of high. So I think that there's some grace. I don't think people focus on the market time right now. Oh, wow. I think maybe in other in other markets, yeah, I, I see totally see what you're saying that, yeah, three weeks, it could be longer. I think I feel like we're all stuck in this, like, pandemic. <laughs> we don't remember what it felt like before the pandemic. <laughs> but, um, but I think that, like, I mean, there was whole buildings that you couldn't even go in. Same, similar to New York. There was, you couldn't even go see the unit, even if you wanted to. Right. So we're not in that level right now but with the spike in our numbers there's a lot less people who are willing to go out so i ha i was supposed to show this week this week with some buyers and they said amy i just don't feel comfortable with going out right now so let's just hold off on our search so you know of course we're not going to push them and every we just want everyone to be safe and healthy but i think that has currently played a part right now that's really interesting as well. Like, even though it's been on the market for you know X amount of time, mm -hmm. it's still selling for what it would have sold for anyways. In a yes. There's no penalty yeah. for just sitting on the market, which is really interesting. And so, how does how do, if you were working with a seller and that's the expectation that it may take a couple of months mm -hmm. to sell? When do you have a discussion when you need to lower the price? Mm. Um, again, uh, doing analysis and doing evaluation is always really important. So, uh, especially in certain neighborhoods like the Streeterville neighborhood, um, if you continue to see units that are heavily reducing theirs, uh, you have to compete with them. Right. So, um, this unit happened to be the only unit available in this tier. So there would be no discussion for me to, you know, I would never uh, suggest that they reduce their price. I actually have something in the West Loop where you know it's been on market on the market for a little bit longer than we'd like, and I wouldn't re ask them to reduce it because there would be no, you know, we don't want to. I personally don't want to create um, like reducing so much that everybody follows suits, and then now it's affecting the market. And I think you know our colleagues feel the same way. So it's really just kind of plateaued at this time, but. It, again, it goes to the season. You know, we just had an election and one of the craziest elections in history. Um, so people were distracted with that. We have a pandemic. And historically, this time is very, very slow. So, um, yes, sometimes we do have to tell our sellers. And even my listings right now, any new listings coming up, I'm actually not going to list them right now. I'm going to list them in January. So, you know, because we have these things that we know uh, always play a part, which is that it's a little bit slower during this time and during the holiday season um, to try to decrease that market time. We try to push it as close to the spring uh, market as possible. Interesting. And is the is the average days on market in spring significantly less than it is now? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact. I don't know the exact days. Maybe thirty days. Okay. Yeah, but but yeah, it's less. So, Got I mean, it. things are definitely moving. But let me say, let me. Yeah, I I would say that it's it's just not robust like maybe LA or the Bay Area. So, um, but things are still moving. Yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear, um, especially not being as much of a of a, of an impact. Do do you? My last question related to this is, do you feel bad if you had a buyer and it's been on the market for two months to go in at substantially lower below market or like, is that a common strategy for most people or is it is it even a strategy at all where you say, look, it's been on the market for two months or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Let's go in at 10% below what the fair market value is or would uh, they, or just get it ignored. Like, would there be negotiations that start or just be like, mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just we're just gonna hold on to this I guess I don't make it a factor in my negotiation I guess my goal is let's say something is listed for you know 700,000 and all the comps say 680 is the market value I'm a, I'm always going to try to get like 670 or 675 for the client you know or I mean that's I said 800 but whatever you get you know we're always gonna try to do less than what market value is um, so, but the thing is, I don't know, all places, a lot of places tend to be occupied. So, and unless there's a some type of relocation, if the seller is not, if the seller is not super motivated to sell, then they'll just continue to stay in their property. Oh, I see. These so are not then it's, then. I'm sorry. These are not vacant homes. Then. Not all are vacant homes. I would say, um, I don't know what the percentage is, but for me right now, currently, probably 30% are vacant. So, yeah, lot. so a lot are occupied. So, you know, they're willing to wait. Like, so that's why, you know, maybe that's why we don't see a super duper major decrease in the price versus closed price because, you know, it's not like they're paying two mortgages. Is it like that there? People move out vacant? I mean, you ideally, if possible, you absolutely have it vacant, right? You have it vacant, clean. Oh. You have it staged, um, and that way it'll sell in one week. Uh, the average, in a sense, is one week. Um, oh. So it's incentivized yeah. to do it, right? Obviously, if if you know, like, hey, look, even if you did this and it's not going to sell in one week, then obviously now you have the extra cost of you know much longer term rentals. So I think mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things, like if. You have to, you know, on one end, you have to be confident that does it, that, you know, if you actually staged it and, and had it a certain way, it would not just get you the top dollar, but also make it faster. Mm -hmm. On the other end, the sellers also need to know, like, that's a legitimate strategy, right? If they knew it was going to still take two months, they may not be willing to go with that approach. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a loop, a feedback loop almost. Well, so there you probably don't have home sale, home close contingencies, whereas here no. moving from the city to the suburbs in the suburbs is very common to have a home sale or home close contingency. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, that's, it makes Chicago real estate very difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can tell it's just a lot um, slower and there's a lot yeah. just more things that can go wrong. Um, oh yeah especially mm -hmm. you're gonna wait on it up i mean you think about it right like you just mentioned you're waiting on a for sale uh contingency 
but it takes months to sell it too. So the yes. other contingency is, is a really long contingency. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, so in you guys, you the seller pays for the inspection and then you all disclose it, right, beforehand. Yes. Here, we have executed contract and the buyer's responsible for the inspection. And then during attorney time, the buyer has the right to cancel the deal during attorney review period. Mm -hmm. So it's not even, um, so it, yes, it's just everything's a little bit it's just more, longer. Yeah, it's just longer and there's more um, pieces involved, it seems like. Yes, and, and and that's why we try to have, I mean, I I don't know, I have anywhere between 40, probably around 40 buyers at a time because right. we have you have to kind of have that to be able to have, you know, a certain pipeline going. Right. Very good. Oh, cool. yeah. No, it's very good. Very interesting to, to hear to hear the differences. So yes. thank you so much, Amy, for sharing the insights, how you got into the business and, and how well you guys are doing right now. If anyone was an investor or wanted to move possibly to Chicago, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Oh, sure. So um, you can go to our website, Duong Kim Global, D-U-O-N-G-K-I-M global.com. Uh, we speak six different languages and um, again, cap rates in Chicago are like 6%, which is awesome. And then, um, or you can email me at amy.duongkim uh, at compass.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Amy. Everyone else, thank you for tuning into another episode. If you have any questions for myself or for Amy, please do reach out anytime. I'll see you at the next one. Okay. Thank you. It was fun. Bye. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.